sit back and relax a little bit. <laughs> uh, I'm leaving that in there. <laughs> What's going on everybody? Evan here with Evan's Detailing and Polishing. Bear with me. This is our first uh, videoed version of our podcast. Uh, we're starting something new. Uh, we wanted to start getting some extra people, some exposure off of our channel here. And um, check out our podcast. They'll be on the Apple podcast stores. Um, you'll also find them on the Google podcast. Um, but we're also going to do these video versions for the people that uh, for the people that just happen to stop by. And uh, I'm going to stop talking for a second and let you introduce yourself and who you are. You really want to know? Well, I know who you are, <laughs> but I don't know if they do. Uh, hi, my name's <clears throat> Paul Springer. Springer's detailing in Anaheim, California, Southern California. What do you want to know? I've been detailing since... Yeah, how long have you been doing this? I started detailing cars probably when I was 10. You got a year? I don't want to age you if you don't want to age yourself, but... You're really going to make me add and subtract. <laughs> <laughs> what are we in, 2020? Yeah, 2020 this year. At least for the rest of the year. I'd say at least since 1980. Since 1980? Yeah. I was so born I was in 1982, Paul. Really? You've been polishing longer than I've been alive. So in 1980, I was in probably ninth grade. Yeah, yeah. And I just had this thing that dirty cars just drive me nuts. Yeah. It's always been. I Most feel that dirty thing. things drive me nuts. Yeah. I would wash my parents' cars. Really? I wouldn't get paid for it. Huh. I feel and like we all started somewhere, right? Yeah, and then I just started... I saw a can of wax, you know, carnauba wax, and I did that. I mean, you're talking ancient. Oh yeah, then. my dad still has the old tins of uh, the tins. Um, turtle wax and the classic car wax. Remember that stuff? <laughs> classic car wax. It was still in the old tin. Yeah. And you had to pry it open with a flathead to get it yeah, open. Yeah, yeah. Like my a dad. Can. My dad still has those. He was gonna throw them away a few years ago because I, of course, I started my own product line and I hooked them up with all new stuff. The good stuff. And my dad's always like, oh my god, I wish this stuff was around when I was a kid. My shoulders hurt from scrubbing with that turtle wax or... I see they still have this stuff on the shelves, just my dad still has the tins and now that I'm, I've started like collecting stuff, I've kind of gotten to the point now where I'm like, can I have those? <laughs> I want to put them on the shelf, they're relics. I mean, I wish I had some of those old cans of wax and stuff we used to use. It's just a cool piece of nostalgia. It is. Yeah. But I mean, here we are, everything's changed. Yeah. And everything's great. So were you like doing the hand waxing on your parents' cars and stuff and that's kind of what got you started? Yeah, I always really enjoyed it. I mean, I could spend a whole day. We had like a van because there was five kids. Yeah. I just really got into it. And it, like now, I can get lost in it and I don't really keep track of time when I'm doing certain projects that people pay me to, you know, we'll pay you by the hour just to do what you think needs to be done. Those That's type cool. of jobs. That's cool. Yeah. So you come from a big family. Yeah, five kids. Um, anybody else detailers or anybody else really super particular like you are? <laughs> yeah, my brother Steve. <laughs> Sorry to lead that question, but... If you're watching, man. I, uh, I don't have to tell anybody. <laughs> But I love him. I met your brother. I think he's a great guy, and he's, a, he's super OCD as well. He is. We both are, and we both 
know each other's next move. Um, he's a big supporter of mine. I yep. do everything he owns. I I detail. Um, and he's building a cool cab over right now. He built an eight. Re it's a show truck, eighty three Kenworth cab over. So for those of you that know, you guys already know that I'm a big time cab over fan, and his brother's truck is going to be one of the coolest things. One of when people start posting pictures and videos of this thing, and yeah. it starts getting out to the shows, that's gonna be dope. It's cool, and he's he only wants me to touch it. Although that's cool. I know I've told you, yeah, the he stainless wants to get me and to aluminum, do some metal. yeah, because I dabble in metal polishing. I dabble. Yep. This guy's a pro. You're good. I mean, you came out. You and your son Saul came out and did. Um, our training program last year and uh, you guys caught on to it super quick yeah. and uh, it was fun to watch you guys grow throughout the week so that was you guys know how to do it but getting to come out and do it with you it'd be an honor to and it'd be fun to get to do that so I'm excited to uh, to get out and do that with you because I think it's going to be one of those cool experiences to get to be a part of a cool truck that uh, has taken so long for him to build and yeah. there's such a huge story behind it and, you know it's one of his old work trucks that kind of stuff so it's going to be exciting to be just a small little part of that and to get to see you excited every time you work on that thing like that's cool for me i mean can i you, love trucks so. can you book us a date because i think my brother's uh <laughs> getting impatient i was so, looking at me like can you polish those stainless fenders and i said no i know a guy <laughs> well if i do them they'll look like the way they are now they gotta be right <laughs> oh that's funny you know honestly i was thinking about it today because you had mentioned it yesterday um, I think I'll book something for either fall or early winter when it starts to slow down here a little bit awesome. and Get out and spend some time Maybe I'll fly in and if school doesn't happen because of this whole COVID stuff going on um, I thought maybe I'd fly the wife and kids out like the last couple days and I'd take them to the beach for a day and yeah, awesome. Hang out with you and your family. We can all just have like a couple family days. So let's just let's plan something okay. um, If you guys can't tell Paul and I have become pretty close over the years and uh We've kind of built a, a very good family relationship and we've kind of started to involve our families in our yeah. our friendship. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we're gonna try to work some of that stuff through too. I think it'd be a fun time. Okay, bye. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Bear with me here a second. Since it's our first one here, I'm still kind of going through the, through the main steps. But um, so what is it that you primarily work on? For those of those that already know me, they know that I work almost 95% of our work is semis. Um, I know you're not, but explain to the people out there what, what you primarily work on. Um, that's a good question. What do we work on? <laughs> so, I guess the majority, we're mobile detailers. We work out of um, vans. Yep. Um, awesome vans, by the way. Thank you. Some, uh, a few of my boys work for me. Um, Fleet accounts is a big part of our business. Yeah. Um, construction yeah. with Chevy trucks, with the utility boxes, is a huge part of our company. Um, we have a fleet of 20 big rigs, machinery moving company. Yeah. That takes up yeah. our Saturday. So we actually do a lot of big rigs. I love big rigs. I can, I mean, we do paint corrections, engine, decreasing yeah. frames. I love watching it all. It's great. It's really great. And then we do 
a lot of just normal cars. Um, office buildings with 20, 30 cars a day. And my, probably my favorite is the car collection we take care of. Matranga collection, father and son, the greatest people. I got the honor to see this collection when I was out there. Uh, was it last trip or the trip before? Uh, I think it was a trip. I think it was a trip before. Maybe. It was the last trip we were getting prepped already for SEMA. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a trip before that because we were pretty busy the last trip out. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we went and. Uh, yeah, it took you by their shop. You know, I gotta say. There's like 40 cars in there. I met Bob, he's the dad, in 1996. And I did his personal cars, his sons, his daughters, and his son-in-law's personal cars. We did like six cars. Over those 24 years, they've collected, they have about 45 collector cars now. And you've seen them. They're immaculate. And every time I walk in there, first thing I do. <laughs> pinch yourself I pinch to make sure it's real. super hard and I just go, man, it's such an honor. Yeah. So that's what we do. It's awesome. So you pr primarily do paint, polishing, washing, that kind of stuff on automobiles. Um, you do also do some of the semi stuff. You do have a couple big fleet accounts for the semis. So yours is primarily, your primary uh, area of expertise is definitely paint and washing and detailing. I mean the, the paint side of the detailing. Um, and I think you and I hit it off right away because you and I are so similar in the way we do things. Um, your your business is based around your fleets. That's your bread and butter. Me too. My fleets are the bread and butter of my business as well. And you and I both kind of were very relatable on that mm -hmm. on that area. Um, so it was cool to get to come out and live in your world for. I think I've been out there what three times. Yeah. And done detailing with you. Actually working with us too. Yeah. Like legit. I miss Tired the, the next day and everything. <laughs> I miss the detailing because detailing is a completely different muscle set. So like it is when when I came out and worked with you guys, like I I'm so used to metal polishing, sitting in a chair. I I have places where I put my arms and my hands and my legs, and I know exactly where they gotta be to get the angles I want to get. And then I got out there and I'm stretching and I'm reaching over hoods and roofs and up on ladders and I'm. I wasn't used to it. Like my body got sore really quick because it's a different muscle set. Yeah. And I've been polishing metal now for 20 years, and for the last uh, 15 years this year, I haven't done anything else. But I used to wash trucks back in the day. Um, so the, for the first five years of my career, I washed trucks. In the last 15, I haven't done any washing. So I really was not prepared for that at all. So coming out, I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. I still remember how to wash. I wash my own stuff on a regular basis. But doing it on a fleet level, that's a whole nother level. I mean, that was a whole, <laughs> a whole nother level. That's, that's the only way I could put it. It's like, I would imagine, when you came out here and we were doing our fleets and you guys were learning metal, like you guys were tired at the end of the day too. I was way tired. It's like you said, it's a different muscle group. And those freaking grinders, man, they get so freaking heavy. On a tank and you can't stop, your mind's just going, dude, stop. Yeah. And your arms are on fire. And you and I work like the same amount of hours. I mean, you work long hours too. Yeah. So the fact that we both work long hours and we both thought we were conditioned to come in and just kill it, it killed us. 
I mean, I could tell that the second day when you and Saul were here, you were just, you were whacked. You were, it's tough. <laughs> you were worked out. And the same thing when I was out by you, that second day, you ran me through the paper mill that second day, and I was just, I was ready for bed. I went to bed early that night trying to get some rest. I was hydrating. I was drinking water like it was going on style. And you know me, I don't drink water ever. Yeah. And being out in that sunny California, warm weather, it just tore it out of me. It's just, a, it's a totally different vibe. <clears throat> but you know what I wanted to say is what I realized, well, I've realized it for years, but coming out here to do your course kind of cemented it in my mind kind of what we already know that detailing and metal polishing are absolutely two different trades. Yeah, they're both if, ends of the spectrum. If you can do both, great. But, you know, I've come to the point, <clears throat> we'll detail five rigs in one day and there's no way I could get the, the metal in that yeah. too. You'd have to start with you need to start with the metal polishing because it makes the most amount of mess. And then, as you guys can see, I'm probably still pretty dirty from the from today's work. But to go from this and start detailing and washing stuff, like you'd have to go take a shower and get clean in between. Like to mix the two is so tough. It is tough. And to detail and do paint work is so like perfectionist when it gets to your level. And to mix that with metal polishing, it's like blood and water it just you know, doesn't mix it's funny we were talking about today i did a free training class in southern california that's where i met evan yep. my son and i yep and they had a tank they had grinders he did the little <laughs> talk and he said anybody want to give it a try i'm like yeah he and he even told me you're a detailer man this isn't paint I been, went about it as paint. And you're like dude slow down i slowed down dude speed up and he's yelling because the thing's so loud yeah but it's crazy. Like yeah. you gotta, everything's gotta change. It's I've been different. training people for, I don't know. I want to say the better part of almost ten years now, and I will say, and I mean no disrespect to detailers by saying this, but detailers are the hardest people to train metal, and especially the guys like yourself that have been doing it. I'm not just taking a jab at how long you've been doing it, but. <laughs> It, with as long as you've been doing it, you've been focusing on paint for so long and being opposite ends of that spectrum, paints here, metal polishings here, it's a complete mindset change. It is. And the guys that have been detailing a long time are a, a lot of times the hardest ones to train um, simply because it's, it's so, so completely different. It is. And it's hard to get people to change that mindset when paint you can get it perfectly like glass metal takes equally as long to get it to that point and some metals just don't yeah. turn into glass yeah so some guys really struggle with that mindset of i can't get the same clarity that i get out of paint out of metal um you can get it to shine sometimes it just has to be shiny pits and that's how it is but um a lot of people struggle with getting out of that mindset I've done a wheel and it was shiny pits, man. It was just like, oh, I want to do better. It's frustrating. That's my everyday. That's my everyday because like I still have some of that paint mentality in there. But like we're talking today, <clears throat> as most of you hopefully know, if you don't, each wheel, each grill, yeah. each paint job, each project you do, 
you just can get the best out of what you're working with. Yeah, not everything's going to come out perfect. Sometimes you just have to take what is the best that that piece will give you. I think if you're OCD like us, like I'm super OCD, <clears throat> to the point where I get pissed if it doesn't come out perfect. Yeah. And that's really been helping me the last couple of years. Like, we just did that Corvette. Yeah. It's single stage paint. It's a 79. Fiberglass. It's got nipples and this and scratches. <laughs> and I just thought, you know what, this guy just wants it shiny. Yeah. And I did the best I could and now I'm actually like, you know what? We pulled it outside and that thing is so glossy. Like compared to what it was that he brought it in yesterday, I mean that thing's the next level. Like I don't even think there's another vet in the area with that kind of age and that kind of patina on it that is that glossy. Well I guess to encourage people is I mean I want to color sand it and spend yeah. a week on it. But but what kind of gonna, budget is that? You're talking like a five thousand dollar deal. So that's where you have to. For me, yeah. I gotta compartmentalize myself because yeah. I want to do everything like that. Yeah. But I'm not getting paid to do everything. Like I want to be a five thousand dollar polisher all day every day, but it's just not there. I mean, so you the gotta make is money. So much smaller. Yeah, and you gotta make money. That's why yeah. I love my fleets. Yeah. Do we do hundred and ten percent on everything we do? Yeah. Of course. Yeah, I try to too. I mean, I try to figure out what the customer wants and then I try to overachieve a little bit more than what he wants and still charge him what he wants to pay Always. so that he's happy and I'm happy-ish <laughs> you know like I gotta just always understand that I gotta do what the customer wants and not what I want because what I want isn't affordable for a lot of people you know it's just it's not realistic either like what I think is what everything should be isn't realistic for most people well, not only affordable, not affordable for your customer, but definitely not affordable for you and me. Oh, no, that's exactly it. How many jobs have you been, you were going to ask me a question. Yeah, actually, we're going to come up with this question in a little while, but. Okay. Well, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you bid a job for 1500 bucks, and by the time you were done, it was five grand, and you can't yeah. charge that guy. I've made these mistakes before. I hope we can help. The, the biggest mistake guys? of my career. Let's oh, yeah. just do that question. The biggest mistake of my career was I quoted a guy 1500 bucks, and I thought it was going to be super easy. And I got into it, and I was like, oh, my God. This thing is not a $1,500 job at all. <laughs> like, you're already committed to it. And I was already committed to it. Like, I promised the guy, and he's, he's one of my good customers, and he, he is still a very good customer to this day. Um... But if I ever had to do another one, I, I would have charged out five grand for that job that I quoted fifteen hundred. I lost thirty five hundred dollars on that job. Like I just ate it. Because when he came to pick it up, he was happy. He was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is where it's at." I'm like, "Listen, I screwed up." And he's like, "What do you mean you screwed up?" I said, "Listen, this is a five thousand dollar polish job." He's like, "Oh my god, you ran into some hiccups, huh?" I'm like, "Yeah." I got halfway through it. And the first half was polishing great. In the back half, there was something on it that I didn't see because it looked decent from the road. And yeah, all of a sudden I was sanding and doing 10 times more than I wanted to because the front half was already perfect. And the back half was just blown out. And in hindsight, I wish I would have called them and been like, listen, this is where I'm at. I'm going to have $3,500 more into it. And now that I'm further along in experience, I don't quote it at 1500 anymore. I say, well, 
get it here, let me look at it, let me actually touch it, let me see where we're at, and then I'll get you a quote. Because before, I just looked at some pictures he sent me and it all looked the same. Mm -hmm. Come to find out, the back half wasn't. And I ate that $3,500 so I didn't lose a good customer. And long term, I've made the money back, but I'm 20 years in now, and it took me 10 years to get that money back. So it did hurt me, because it, it did hurt the business long term, you know? So, um, What's what's the what's the one thing that you thought you were gonna make good money on, or you bid it out and you were like, "This is gonna be great," and then all of a sudden you got into it and you were like, "Oh, I'm in over my head." All right, you want to laugh? I've Listen, been doing this for thirty years, right? You and I laugh all day long when we're working together, and half the time I feel like you're laughing at me instead of with me. And half the time I feel like I'm laughing at you instead of with you. I think we're doing the same thing to each other. That's what I mean. It makes us, I don't know. So, I, I don't mind laughing. If you got a good story, I'm going to sit and laugh. That's well, how it is. I mean, you know, once in a while I still do it. But I know how to get myself oh, I out of it. So I don't do neighbor, it as big anymore. My neighbor's got this really old RV. I mean, it's gel coat and it's freaking old, right? Just rotted. And he's like, can you polish this paint out? I'm like... Let me try. So I get my flex cordless. I do a spot in the front. I do a spot in the side. Of course, a spot like that comes out like cherry oh, every man. time. And I know every it. time. I know it. And I'm like, oh yeah, dude, be no easy. problem. We'll come Wednesday. <laughs> Six hundred bucks. He's like, okay. So I show up. I get the front done. The front's just like this clip, mm -hmm. and it comes out like. Just cherry. You're like, oh, I'm going to make some money on this Dude, deal. I get on the sides. I go through every pad and polished <laughs> compound combination known to man. And I'm like, dude, you freaking idiot. Are you serious? I even called Josh, my buddy who's the RV freaking bro. Josh, if you're watching, thank you. I'm like, dude. I mean, it's a young guy. I'm 30 years older than him. And I'm That's calling, so like, great. Dude, can you come out, man? I'm, excuse me. I'm screwed. I screwed myself. I'm such an idiot. That's great. He came out, tried his magic, and he's like, dude, there's nothing you can do. This stuff's crap. I'm like, duh. I knew that. Dang it. But the way I got out of it is I called my customer right away. I said, you know, I messed up to tell you on the phone I know better that this will come out great. <clears throat> Projects like this, you got to get in them and see if they'll come out. It didn't. Yep. Yep. So he was cool. And now I have, he's got 57 trucks. Oh, that's crazy. That we're going to detail over the year, one, two a week. Wow. And that's he was wild. bummed about it, but I was totally honest with them. I didn't try to polish the whole thing out for a day. It was going to look like crap and then try to charge him. So just learned your lessons. That's crazy. Yeah. And you try to make the mistakes smaller and smaller as your career goes on, but sometimes a big one still slips through once in a while. They do, and that just means we're human. But it's the experience helps you get out of it financially better, probably. Yeah. Like I did. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. <clears throat> so, still learning, still living. Yeah. It's non-stop. I love it. <laughs> All right, so... Non-stop averages? Yeah. Yeah. So you said um, you really started when you were um, detailing your parents' vehicles when you were younger, but what really got you into 
starting the business, Springer's Detailing? Um, so when I was 15, my dad sold his company and started a, he semi-retired and bought a used car business. Oh, really? Meaning, they would buy all the trade-ins from the dealers, we would detail them, and they'd run them through the car auction. Like 50 cars a week. So your dad um, essentially bought into a detailing business? Or a car refurbishing business? Yeah, pretty much a used car buying and selling. Okay. So, so kind of like detailing a, was a huge part of it. Kind of like a dealership that just takes stuff to auction. Yeah, okay. exactly. All right. So that's where I learned the old school rotary polishing, steam cleaning engines, interior. Back then we'd shampoo the crap and everything and have and to dry out it. for a week and stuff like that. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. I, lo I like the... That's maybe why I like the fleets and so much work because I like the pressure of like, okay guys, we got 25 cars today or we got five rigs to detail. And I love that pressure because my hyperness like doubles and I love it. It's like such a... such a challenge that we gotta get stuff done. So you, you built your love for it as a kid and then it just kind of happened to fall in that your dad purchased this business and you just kind of used that love to fall into your business is what you're saying? Yes yeah, so when he sold that company I think I was 20 I started a detail shop detailing used cars so you had your own shop? I had my own shop, wow. hired five guys. Wow. We worked six days a week. We you went deep right out the gate. Dude, we detail, uh, this is so funny. <laughs> like complete detail, 20 to 25 cars a day. And I mean, steam cleaning engines, door jams, undercarriages, washing the car. Jeepers, man. Move it over, rotary polish the whole car. Detail the whole interior. Put dressing on the motor. I mean, we made, we were detailing these for the lot. Forty-five dollars a piece. Forty-five freaking dollars. And what year was this? What year was this? Probably eighty-seven. Really? That was decent money back then. I knew it was. I mean, maybe not for LA. It was. But I was making decent money. Yeah. But the best income at the time I noticed later was the learning lessons yeah that stuff you can't weigh off in pricing either I was young I was busting my butt I was working six days a week um, the lessons were amazing and I still learn I still use those lessons to this day how to manage guys how to get that many cars done in a day but doing them well yeah um, yeah, it was fun. Then I got out of detailing for two years, became a, a mechanic lifting trucks, like off-road trucks. Really? Um, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Bought the snap-on tools. I've always had a love for fabrication, um, my art, you know. I, I was going to say, I know you do art. I've always tinkered, and I, I really? build my own vans, I fix all my own equipment like you. I try to do everything myself. Yeah. I love it. But in 1990 is when I started Springer's Mobile Detailing because I didn't want to do used cars anymore, but I knew if I jumped into the retail sector, I could be profitable. 
and here I am 30 years later. Still doing it, still making money. Yeah, That's good awesome. money. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I you, still love it every day. You do some really cool stuff. And it's cool to see that you still have the passion for it all these years later. Um, I'm 20 years in and I still love it as well. So it's like seeing somebody else that hasn't lost the passion for what they do, I can have a, a very deep appreciation for that because it's, I feel like some things in life are hard to maintain a passion for. Like I know people that they got cool jobs and they were like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And then five or 10 years in, they were like, I hate it. And I feel like for me, I don't have any day like that. I feel like they're all, I shouldn't say I don't have any days because there's some days where I'm like, this sucks. Mm -hmm. But I get home at the end of the day and I still feel accomplished. I still feel like I did something. Like, it's just, it's just one of those cool things, yeah. Is that Gary? Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Called three times in a row. Should we pause it? I should probably grab this. Um, no. I'll just edit this part out. Alright, sorry for that little interruption. We had uh, a customer issue. Uh, a customer picked up his car and ran out of gas. <laughs> so. Thank God that was it. Had to run some fuel. Yeah. So that that's good. Not good, I guess. But, uh. So, all right, back to the topic at hand. Um, you had said that uh, you had developed your appreciation uh, in childhood. Your father had a, a business that he acquired buying cars, fixing them up and auctioning them off, mm -hmm. and that's what really got you into it. You, you had uh, a number of years where um, you had multiple employees, and um, I know now that um, it has left that and become a family operation now. So most of your employees are your kids. Um, you do have another kid as well that is, I call them extended family. He's one of your employees. Um, oh, Cody, yeah. And he's not your direct kid, but um, he's extended family. I have, I treat all my guys here like family as well, so I, I know that feeling for you. Yeah. Um, but now let's get into some of the nitty gritty. What products uh, do you use? Have you been using? Have you been uh, evolving with the industry? Or do you still fall back on some of the old products you used to use? Um, I know that's a really loaded question. Um, I guess just kind of break that down one by one for me, if you don't mind. Um, so I always try new things. Um, in fact, certain ads on Instagram <laughs> you see a, I do too you see them you see them um, if it's something that I don't have in my arsenal yeah that's dialed in yeah like for instance there's a glass a water spot remover for glass yeah we talked about it yeah yeah maybe you guys have all seen the ads on Instagram and Facebook they're every day WSR I think it's called and but I've tried everything and I've had decent results, but not the results that I like. Yeah. I bought a bottle of that stuff thinking, you know what? They got a money back guarantee. Yeah. It's worth a shot. I almost bought some myself. So I'm almost the same guy that... Evan? It's worth it. I know you told me. I'm definitely going to give it a shot. I use that stuff. And of course, I'm a Time to Shine products guy. I appreciate um, that. Evans let me test in the field many products. Be a part of the development. Many products I say perfect. 
Some I say, yeah. we need to do this. Need to do and we that. altered a few of our products off of your recommendations. And that's what I appreciate about it. Um, but that window, water spot removal, yeah. I put it on my polisher. <coughs> I got the water spots off. And then, of course, I finished up. And this was our rear window on a pickup truck. Yeah. I finished with your glass seal. That's awesome. We thought that window was brand new. That's awesome. So, yeah. Um, stoner <coughs> products. Yeah, you've been a stoner user for a long time. 25 years I've been using stoner trim shine. It's their citrus degreaser cleaner. Um, and their, their tar and sap. Yeah. I, honestly, the tar and sap was my go-to for a long time. Um, and then I found the super citrus. And I just found on metal, the super citrus worked better. On paint, the, the tar and sap works way better. Um, but for me on metal, that's that's what I mean by the two worlds being so different. Sometimes a product that works great on paint doesn't always work great on metal. So um, I think it's I think it's cool that you can sometimes bump into some of that stuff. You think it's going to cross over and it just doesn't. Yeah. You know, like now you're frustrated because it's like a product you've been using for a long time. You want to use that product. You know, like why isn't it working? But that's cool that you can call me. Yep. And I can call you because you're a metal guy and. It's been a great outlet uh, for me to be able to call you sometimes on when I have questions and you being able to call me when you get questions. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's one thing the industry is starting to turn towards. That's one thing I was going to say is I really, that's kind of what we want to see. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this whole COVID thing has brought many people and in industries more together. Yeah. Um, I think the detail, from my experience, the detail industry, I don't see much drama in the detail see, industry. And, and that's, everyone I come across on Instagram, I mean, I got new friends all over the world now. That's the other end of the spectrum, too, is um, detailing is, isn't as much of a niche industry anymore, if, you, if, if you're okay with me calling it that. Yeah. Um, but metal polishing is still a very tight-knit niche industry that I feel like there's still so much drama because there aren't a lot of us out there. Um, there are now a whole lot more than when I started. Like when I started metal polishing, I only knew five in the country. Yeah. And as I started to look closer, I started realizing there was a lot more people out there that just didn't market or they didn't do a whole lot of stuff. Um, and Facebook and Instagram wasn't big when I started. I mean, it is now. So any detailer or polisher getting in there can hop on YouTube and see a ton of videos. I mean, yes, YouTube was big for us. Um, when I started, but there wasn't a whole lot of good information on metal polishing. I mean, there was maybe two people metal polishing and putting videos out on YouTube. You go on automotive detailing, there's tens of thousands of videos on YouTube on how to properly detail, and there's yeah. actually pretty good information. I mean, a there's some really good in-depth videos, uh, and you get into the metal polishing, there's still, I only know maybe a handful if not maybe a little over a handful, six or seven metal polishers that are actually putting all quality content on YouTube. Um, and some of it isn't even really content, it's just watching them do what they do. And there's no explanation, there's no nothing. Some are just trying to make their money off the YouTube royalties and some aren't even really doing anything. They're just kind of hanging out and just doing their thing. So I feel like they're, it's still such a tight knit um, niche that that's why there's so much drama there yet is that 
that industry is still in its infant stage and it hasn't developed to where the auto industry is. Got it. And I don't know, I talk to I talk to a lot of people because they want to get information from me sometimes and they want to get products or they want to do whatever. So I talk to a lot. Um, but when detailers call in, they're, I don't want to say they're kinder because I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but they're a lot more giving. Like if I ask them a question about paint, they will sell you the book that they've written, you know? And that's cool because most polishers I talk to don't want to tell you anything. Interesting. So I, I feel like that's where that part of the industry has gone. So I think as metal polishing starts to evolve and there starts to get to be more people in it, maybe some of that stuff will go away. And I kind of hope it does because so. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, COVID should show us all that. It's kind of a reality check. Yeah. You know? Hopefully it brings everybody a little closer together. Yeah. I just encourage people, like, I try to wake up every morning thankful. Thankful for my wife, my kids. I love what I do every day. I mean, I am living the American dream. Oh, 100%. Even after 30 years. Oh, 100%. I, I can agree with that. I've met your family, and you are very truly blessed in that department. And you are definitely living the American dream. You've got a beautiful home in a great area in... Um, Southern California, and uh, you've got a beautiful family. They're all so well behaved and just great individuals. <coughs> Excuse me. That. Um, and your wife, always so welcoming and loving as well. And it's cool to see that you two have that great relationship as well. You being an entrepreneur and her being supportive of that. Uh, it's cool yeah, to watch. She's huge support for me. So the next one would have to be I gotta ask you. I know you've been doing this for 30 years, 30 plus. What is the most interesting thing you've ever gotten to detail? And the next question is, what's been the highlight of your career? Now, if both of those things intertwine, <laughs> I'll let you use both of those questions as one answer. Um, but I know you've got 30 years of experience under your belt and you've got a ton of vehicles that you've done. I mean, if you were doing, f how many did you say in a day? 45 bucks a piece, you were doing... Oh, we are doing 20, 25. 20, 25 a day. So I know you've touched a lot of vehicles in your career. It's and pretty crazy to think. I'm sure you've come across some really unique stuff. I see you do a lot of really high-end stuff, and I'm jealous a lot of times of some of the stuff you get to touch because it's some really cool stuff. Yeah. So I just got to ask you, what's the most interesting thing you've done, and what's been the highlight of your career? And like I said, if those two intertwine, that's fine. If they don't, let's hear two separate answers. I think you know the intertwine. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said I had to. I had to see if it was gonna intertwine because maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I only know you for the past two years. Yeah. So if there was something else in your career that was like above that, I know what it is already. But if there was something else above that, or if there was something else more unique than that, maybe there is something more unique. But that was the highlight of your career. So, it just happened in February. Right before COVID hit. Yes. It is a 13-year build, 55 Chevy. 55 Chevy. From my customer, Bob Matranga. Him and his son own the Matranga collection. Matranga collection. 45 cars. Um, yeah, he bought this project, and the Detroit, Detroit Autorama every year has a car show. And they, it's where the Riddler Award is awarded. They host an event for the Riddler Award. Yes. 
you might have heard of the Grade A, the Riddler Award. Um, so every year these guys build, you know, two million plus car, two million plus dollar cars this to enter beautiful. for this Riddler Award. And they pick the Friday night. They pick the Grade A, which were the Grade A from all the cars entered for the Riddler. Which is the top eight in this class. Yeah. They narrow it down. And then they narrow it down to one. So Bob spent 13 years building this car. And every year around December, January, he's the greatest guy. We give each other crap all the time. I got the honor of meeting this guy, and he's absolutely amazing. And he's funnier than crap. He's <laughs> super nice I'm like, guy. Bob, coming up, bud. My bags are packed. Like, what's going on? And that was like every December, January. Yeah. Well, let's see, 2020, you know, November or earlier in 2019, he's like, it's going to be done. This It's going to be done. I'm That's like, awesome. So I started getting hyped because I knew this would be the detail of my career. So you knew at that moment. I've been thinking about it for years, but knew I knew I had to heighten my thinking because I was getting prepared to detail this car. And all I thought of was judges. There's six judges and they got flashlights and they're not looking at like the fender. Sure. They're looking where the fender meets the grill, the panel that goes below the window. The tight They're looking pieces. at the gaps. Yeah. They're looking at the ee, ee, ee. So the whole time I'm thinking of those guys. Mm -hmm. I'm not detailing for Bob necessarily. I'm detailing for Bob and the judges. For those judges, don't find anything that the detailer got wrong because, oh my God, I'd be probably pack my bags <laughs> and run. I'd probably leave my bags and run. <laughs> so. The car, it was such a process because they had to build the car, had to go to upholstery. I think it was a, it was at a Gabe's upholstery. He's the best. Anyways, long story short, it was actually done, and I had two weeks to detail it. And I told Bob, I need a solid week to detail this car. And oh. I thought it was going to be down to the wire. And I mean, from morning till night. I was prepared to sleep there. So what what are you saying? When you say morning to night, are you saying like 10 hour days, 12 hour days, 14 12 hour, hour days? days? 12 hour days. 14 if necessary. So 12 or 14 hour days for seven days straight? So I had my my boys and my guys run my mobile detailing business. It's awesome that you can rely on your kids. That's why I'm here because I have the best boys and the best crew. They're working Thank right now while you're here. I'm in Wisconsin right now and they're the best and I freaking That's love awesome. them. That's awesome. I love working with those guys. They're so much fun. Dude, they are fun. They love working with Barrel of monkeys, laughing all day, oh, just yeah. getting stuff done and laughing and having a good time. Dude, I'm telling I feel you. like that's the best part about working with family. I don't want anybody to hear too much, but you guys know that my YouTube studio, for those of you that don't know, it's in the back of my office and my sister's right up here. I will say that's, I love working with my sister. She is honestly the rock of this foundation most days. And without her, I couldn't do a lot of the stuff I do. Like I leave sometimes and I don't even know what's going on. She's still packing boxes and shipping stuff all the time. But when her and I are working together in the office, like we're cracking jokes and picking on each other and just having a good time. I mean, you can't do that with just employees sometimes. Like, I, I think that's the beautiful part about working with family. And I don't want to say this too loud because she might get a big head up there and we'll have to deflate it to get her out of the building. She might just smack you and make <laughs> She you might come in here and throw something at me. I don't know yet. Hopefully she's not listening too close. But um, I feel like that's the best part about working with family is you can, you can do that. And I, I hope that my daughters and I have a good enough relationship like you do with your sons 
because I would love to see my girls step into this business at some point in time yeah. and be able to do what your boys do with yours. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's just so. Anyways, back to the car. Yeah. A lot of you know. I, I think um, Bob wanted me to go on the trip with him. Yeah. So the trip is four days driving yeah. from California to Detroit. Was it forty-four hours? Forty-two hours? I forget. It was. It was. Four I know it's days. thirty hours from me to you. We did some twelve-hour days. I think it was forty, fifty hours without the Anyways, we got there. Um, so before we got there, I think I had a hundred hours detailing the car. And a lot of people are like, "How do you do a hundred-hour detail?" It's not hard. Like it sounds like a lot of hours, but when you get into something at that high of a level, hours just fly. Evan, this is why this was the highlight of my career. For one. I could go there by myself. I told them mostly I want to be by myself. And you could do it at the level you wanted, right? And I know Bob wants me to just do it. I'm not on any time crunch, although we got to load it in a certain yeah. day. So the first day I went and I did the undercarriage, I spent 12 hours on the undercarriage. That's a lot of And time. if you share pictures, people can maybe grasp the reason. Yeah, I'll post some pictures right here for the people that are watching it on our YouTube channel. You're you're probably seeing right now a picture of the car and it's it's amazing it's I can't wait to see this thing in person because the pictures I'm sure don't do it justice yeah. but yeah. the pictures and the videos I've seen so far are just unbelievable yeah so you know I spent 12 hours on the undercarriage and the highlight for me it was on the weekend everybody was gone from the shop I spent 12 hours on the undercarriage Saturday I went back Sunday and spent another 12 hours. <coughs> I think I did, I, I started on the paint. Really? Yeah. So this is how I did this car. I'd start on the, let's say the driver's fender. Yep. I would concentrate on that fender till it was perfect. I probably spent four or five hours paint correcting just that fender. And then moving to the next panel? And then I'd move to the door. Then I moved to the roof. I spent two, three days on the paint. Then I paint corrected in the engine compartment. Yeah, I saw that. I paint corrected the very the inch strip of the hood. You know, you got the hood. Mm -hmm. I paint corrected that. The door jams, the undercarriage. I just wanted this thing to be perfect. It was the ultimate job for me that I could just spend long as I wanted. Even Bob came in like the six days like, is there going to be any paint left on this thing? And he's joking with me. I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> Leave me alone. Judges are like right here, dude. I can see them. And that's a ton of pressure. I mean, you're working on something that costs multi-million dollars that if it's screwed up and you now you have to take it to Detroit to get it judged, it's like you can't get it fixed in a short amount of time. I mean, something like that is like, shut it down, repaint it. Like, don't want to miss that because you're going to miss the deadline then. Yeah. So that's a ton of pressure. Well, and then the next, you know. Just a sec. They loaded the car. I told them, when you guys load the car, they're going to push it in the trailer. And, um, I'm making everyone wear gloves. And we're all taking precautions because of all the hours and hours. I knew I'd have to spend at least 20 when we got there. Yeah. Which I did. But, you know, 
Bobby Cannon is just the greatest guys. They are. I got to do a road trip with them. We had meals together after 20 years. Um, the whole experience was just great. The show and the judges make appointments for the grade eight. Yep. So I knew our appointment time, and it was about 20 minutes before. And Bob's like, "Dude, you got to run in there and wipe that thing down." I was living in that car pretty much underneath. <laughs> so there's this crowd of people because Bob's car was like the car. Yeah. There's hundreds of people, and I'm wiping down this car. And I'm like. This is it. It's a cool moment. Those freaking dudes are coming. <laughs> this is freaking it. And I, dude, I got goosebumps right now. I can yeah, remember. I can see it. And I look over and I'm wiping down. There's freaking people everywhere. I look at Bob and he's all... He's smiling. Like, he's just... It was just great because that's what I love people when they're happy with my work. And I'm like, dude's smiling. He knows what I've done. Yeah. He's, he's thankful for what I've done. He saw your hundred dollars you put in. Then the judges come to you, and I mean, they got flashlights this big on their heads <laughs> and magnifying glasses. Like, that's what it feels like, like cartoony, yeah. like, oh, fuck. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I go, Bob, this is why I spent all the time. Yeah. I go, love you, man, but it was all about them. Yeah. And it was just like to see them. Like, they're not. My job is to enhance and bring out the beauty of yeah. the team. Chris, yep. the designer, Paul, Bill, Ryan, all the fabricators, all the chromers, the upholstery guys. I feel like mine, my job was to just bring it all together and just enhance everything everybody did. I feel like that's the beauty of a detailer, a polisher, is we're like the jewelry on the lady with the dress. You know, like, you can have a pretty lady wearing a really nice dress. You throw pearl earrings in and a pearl necklace or diamond earrings and a diamond bracelet, like it's what finishes everything off. You know, it's I feel like sometimes we go unnoticed, but not from the customer. Like you see a cool car at a car show and you're like that paint looks wet. And sometimes the painter gets credit for it when it was the detailer that made it fit and finish you know so I feel like sometimes we get missed but to the people that it matters to most they don't forget it like you're gonna be in magazines now with this car I yeah mean, we just found a magazine it's cool like, you wanna hear the funniest part of this whole thing? absolutely so when they do a display you know the car was on this giant display yep. and we had carpet down and the borders with the signs and everything so every morning I wipe down the car Wipe down the display. Wipe. I started wiping down the whole perimeter, all the signs and everything. Yep. And I get to this build sign, and I'm time to shine ceramic ceiling this thing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And all of a sudden, I read it, and I found my name. And he's got your name in it. But it didn't say detailer. It said. I'd have to look it up. I wish I would have looked it up. But it was just, just. You know, like mechanics really well. are called technicians now. Yeah. It was to that effect, and I'm like, I was so proud to be on it, just to be part of the team. And then I remember, team, like eight years ago, Bob and me and Chris, the designer, had a conversation about what my title was going to be on that sign. Really? Eight years, I'm on my hands and knees on the carpet cleaning this freaking sign. I'm like, 
oh man, <laughs> freaking eight years later. And I look around, I'm like, this is great. It's awesome. It's one of the best trips. Ever. It's a cool feeling. It was great. That's so yeah, cool highlight feeling. for sure. Still. So was that the most unique thing you ever worked on? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we work on a lot of really... I'm just blessed to do everything we touch. Yeah. We work on Lambos, we work on Mercedes, and fleet trucks. I love fleet trucks. Yeah. I love big rigs. I love everyone's car as long as we make them happy. Yeah. But that was definitely the highlight of my career, for sure. I would definitely say just watching some of the stuff you do. I mean, you do Lambos and Ferraris and all kinds of stuff all the time. But when I saw the pictures of that thing, I was like, oh, that's next level. Like, that's... Lambos are cool. Don't get me wrong. But that was like such a one-of-a-kind, probably never going to see something to that level again kind of next level. And I got to be a part of it. And you were a huge part of that. So that's cool. I'm glad that was the double whammy. It got to be your most unique piece you've ever done and the highlight of your career. And honestly, I hope that your career keeps going on the skyrocketing rate that it's on. And I hope it just keeps getting better for you. I hope someone comes along and tops that for you so that you can get that high one more time. Um, you know, it's funny, I asked Kent if he'd build one so we could do it again. He's like, no way, watch him like dad, no way. <laughs> That's funny. Smart. <laughs> and building a Riddler's, I mean, it's not a cheap process. It's I not mean, only not cheap, dude. I mean, you have to be... I've never seen anyone more patient than Bob. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not one setback. It's hundreds. 20 setbacks. Hundreds. Hundreds or, and, and years or hours or weeks, months. Yeah. And he just handled it like a champ. And it's, it's fun to be around him and his son and watch them deal with stuff like that because sure. you know he didn't win the Riddler award it was a it was a letdown to all of us it, I know Bob was let down but he's like dude this is how the world works you know he's in his 70s and he's just wise and I was like that's just great to be a part of even seeing him not get the Riddler yeah. and seeing his He's still happy. And he, comp he competed on the top stage. I mean, that's the top for me. I mean... And he did it with his own crew. Yeah, his you own know, crew. He wasn't own a money. big name builder. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really proud cool. of him and his whole team. I'm friends with his whole team there. Just great guys. See, that's... And just to be a part of that team, too, it's just such an honor. I see him all the time. They're building other cars for Ken Bob. Not Riddler cars, but... Something's always going on. Paul, oh, come Paul, see some wheels. Or, hey, do this undercarriage. Or, sure. Super I feel rare. like as a detailer or a polisher, we get to be part of these families as well. Yeah. And friendships that you build through your customers sometimes. And especially when you're on competing on the top levels, um, you end up meeting more elite people that are... Um, I don't know what the right word is to use, but you're you're talking with some of these people that are understanding or uh, life-wise, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like you with Bob and Kent, I have a bunch of my own customers that are the same way that have been through a lot of life experiences that we come across something where I'm like, man, I'm just burnt out because we lost, we shouldn't have lost. And they're like, it happens. Sometimes it's just not your day and it's like, oh, 
just kind of wakes you up for a minute and you're like, I need to get back to enjoying that moment instead of dwelling on the outcome. Yeah. And it's it's cool to have people like that that you eventually become to consider family. I mean, Bob and Kent have become part of your family. You've done a ton of stuff for them. Yeah. And same with me. I've had a bunch of customers that we've become family with. We call them show family. Um, That's great. But it's, it's cool that I feel like detailing and polishing has gotten into that avenue. Um, I do want to touch on one other subject. Um, you, for myself, were one of the first that I had ever known to develop water. <laughs> You've been talking to Craig Hurd again? <laughs> Alright, so we joke around about this, but you really did take water filtration to the next level. Like you found the right companies to make sure that your water was on point. Being in LA, you, you were telling me your water is at 500 and some parts per million. 600. Close to 600 parts per million. My water here in the shop, even through a softener, is 420 parts per million. It's absolutely miserable water. Water spots everywhere. If you don't dry it, it's terrible. Paul, the first time I was out there, showed me his water and his water was seven parts per million the first time i ever met paul i was like you got to be kidding me seven parts per million is like pissed, right? it's not going to water spot and he was mad because it was up to seven i think you changed all your filters out right after that i bought a whole new system <laughs> did some more investigating yeah because um, my system was pretty old yeah and it was time to upgrade yeah um, and why are we talking about water if you don't know um, water is the heart of everything we do. Not only mobile detailing, but even a shop, you want to use spotless water. So I bought Paul's system, the same system he uses, and I'm installing it here in my shop. Even though I don't do a whole lot of paint anymore, I still like to keep my stuff clean and fresh. And I hate towel drying everything. I feel like towel drying it just sometimes scratches it. It leaves microfine scratches. I don't like having to buff more than I want to. So. For me, I invested in the good water system because I want to be able to wash it, pull it outside, let it air dry, and drive it home and ceramic seal it or quick detail it or whatever, just to kind of maintain instead of having to dry it all the time. But thanks to Paul, I knew people out there were doing RO systems. Uh, there's a great debate out there about which is better, a DI system or an RO. Um, DI is deionized water and RO is reverse osmosis. Um, and it was the first time I was out by you that I realized RO was the way to go. I had worked with other detailers in the past that used DI water. Uh, a lot of guys stand behind the statement that they, the DI works. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying RO water is so much more perfect and so much less issues. Um, Especially once you start getting into using chemicals, your ceramic sealers, your quick detailers, your waxes and stuff, versus the deionized. And um, when I saw that we were able to wash black vehicles, it, it was unbelievable. In your hot sun of LA, washing a black vehicle in direct sunlight, letting it dry without toweling or not getting the towel to it fast enough, because doing a fleet, you usually line up three or four cars in a row and you dry them all at the same time. It was like the black ones sometimes would just get too hot and it would dry too fast. Just taking a wet towel from that water and just wiping it off to get enough the dust spots was unbelievable. I mean, that was an eye-opening thing for me. So I had to invest in that for my shop here just for my own personal use. Um, 
it wasn't until now I finally pulled the trigger on it because it's an it's an expensive setup. It is, but it's like buying another critical tool. See, for me, it's like buying a grinder. It's something you have to use every day. It's water. I mean, you can't do your job without water. I can't do my job without a grinder. So for you to be able to invest in that, I mean, that's that's a game changer. If you don't have to towel dry everything, and life is that much easier. Um, so one of the reasons when I was younger, I was using DI water because you rent them and they're cheap. Yeah. But the lessons I learned, and DI water is good, but it has some issues yeah. that I learned the hard way. One, I think DI water is chemically stripped. Yeah. When you get your tanks, there's a light on there. Yep. When the light turns off, you need to get a new tank. You gotta get it recharged, yeah. And if you filled up after the light turned off, if you were keeping good awareness of that light, yeah. there could be problems. And I didn't like having that if yeah. I'm thinking what kind of problems. So the problems I did have, our pressure washers have little pistons in their leather gaskets. Yep. yep. And what I was finding is after a year, we had to pull the pump and replace the gaskets. Yep. I did that for a few years and I was like, why is this doing this? Yeah. And he's like, what kind of water are you using? I said, DI. He's like, DI water is chemically stripped and yeah, after time, it wears down your the little leather gaskets in your water pump. Huh. Plus, be. certain window moldings on certain cars. They would leave the little streaks on them. Streaks and water spots and you couldn't get them off. Yeah. Like it etched them. Yeah. And I just thought, man, I can't do that to my stuff in cars. So I invested, I think, three, four thousand dollars in my first water system. Wow. And I mean, my pumps could run for ten years. Really? Without having to replace the gaskets. Well, stripping, never... stripping them down. I mean, as soon as you start getting all the calcium, lime, rust, all that stuff out of your waters. I mean, if there's nothing running through and it's just water, I mean, it's a coolant then at that point. It is, but the DI water was actually ruining my gaskets. We had to replace them huh. every year. Ever since I used RO, I had never had to replace them. So for me, it's no debate. I mean, do I think people get great results with DI? Sure. I, I, I see a lot of detailers out there using DI water because it. it's cheap and easy to it's access. It's cheap and easy to get. Yeah. But RO is like that. I keep saying that next level, but for me, it's that next level. I think it is. Plus, once you buy your own system and learn to look check your water every day I check my water parts per million every day yep. I check my filters every day I know when to recharge my filter yeah in my soft water I'm on it every day I don't have to worry about it yeah my guys go out and do 20 rigs or whatever I know there's not going to be any problems so yeah I think it's a great investment if you want to get to to me, having everything in-house is, yeah. I can control it, especially the water. You can go to most detail shops and purchase RO water. You can. Yeah. Mo I mean, but I don't know if they're watching it as carefully. I'm like a hawk. See, that's It's that's the most important thing in my van. That's where I struggle too. And I, that's why I said, that's why I bought one for here. We don't, uh, we're in the middle of Wisconsin, middle of nowhere. You drove up here from the airport and you, there's just no places that do water around here. Yeah. Like if I wanted to purchase water for my shop, it's not a realistic thing. In LA, there's one on every corner. They're it seems everywhere. like 
I mean, you could buy water everywhere, but the quality of that water might be a different story. I mean, I know in my few times out there that we checked some water qualities at some of these places, and it was still 150, 200 parts per million. I mean, that's better than the 600 they're getting out of their faucet at home, but 150, 200 parts is still pretty hard water. Dude, picture this. On a Sunday, we washed 20 rigs, yep. 30, 40 forklifts, 20, 30 trailers. Yep. When we start, yep. we wash everything till the end. It's six hours later. Yep. I need to guarantee that when I go back to the first one to do the tires and wipe it down, if there's water spots on it, one time my You're system went down, I had to buy water. Oof. And so everything was spotted, not like I, we used a garden hose, but it was spotted bad enough. Now I have another few hours until I got to wipe everything down and get everything off. Yeah. So it's, I want it in-house so I can just keep it on Yeah, because now you can just make sure that it's always the way you want it. If you test it that day and it's not the way you want it, you can shut it off and figure out what's going on. Yeah. And instead of, you know, some of these places are just making bulk water every day, they might not care. And all of a sudden one day their filters go out and they fill the tank anyways, and now people are buying 150, 200 parts per million and it just doesn't matter. So most guys are doing one, two cars. You, know, yeah. you dry it off, you finish washing it. Or you dump that water and buy it again. Like it's not a, it's not a huge expense. Yeah. yeah. But we want to get to the next level, like I said. We got a thousand gallon storage. Yeah. Things. Your setup's really awesome. I can't, I can't wait to get mine hooked up and start using it here. Cause I'm, I'm seriously excited to get rid of my hard water. I was hoping we'd have it fixed up. Yeah, me too. Of course the plumber. parts weren't in. I wish I would have called the plumber weeks ago. Yeah. And just had him get it set up and ready to go so we could just hit the ground running. But it is what it is. I'll get it hooked up this coming week and yeah. we'll get after it. Call me, dude. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> so all right. Last part of this, and then we'll get out of here. It's got to be getting close to an hour already. People got to be getting sick of hearing us. Um, sure. What's one thing, if you could ask me one thing, host of this show, what would you ask me? Um, it could be anything. I'm just going to leave it open. It could be anything. Anything? Sure. <laughs> what would I ask you? I know what I would ask you. What the hell makes you love polishing metal? I love getting dirty every day. I don't know why. I think it's the instant gratification that gets me every day. Like, you know me. I'm OCD. I have anxiety issues. Like... I love that the second I put my buffer on metal, I either know it's right or it's wrong. And I know right then and there, I like the solidarity and the absolution in the idea that it's either perfect or it's not right away. Um, and I, I, I never really minded getting dirty. I was always the kid that was covered in mud and sand and stuff growing up, grass stains all the time. Like that stuff never bothered me. Um, and I have allergies really bad, as you as you know. Um, so metal polishing turned out to be a great thing because I wear a full base respirator all the day. Um, but I get to be around just a lot of really cool stuff, and I can kind of be by myself at the same time. I'm like. Uh, I don't know what you call it. I like being around people, but I'm also a happy loner. Like, 
I can just put my earbuds in, grab my grinder, and find solitude in that. Um, nobody bothering you, nobody talking, nobody doing anything. I can just grab my grinder. It's so loud. I got my earbuds in. I can't. My earbuds. I use the Jaybird runs, and I can't hear my grinder run when those are on. So if somebody comes up and starts talking, I don't know until I turn and physically see them, like that they're even standing there, let alone talking. So for me, um, I don't know. Like so would I, you say you get lost in the process? I do. I get lost healthy, in the process. Healthy lost. Yeah. I um I enjoy just my alone time. There's some times where I'll put my earbuds in and I'll just sit and listen to audiobooks. I like learning stuff. And it's I'm working and I'm getting paid for it, but at the same time I'm learning something. So I'm putting in eight to ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen hour days and they're just kinda doing my own thing. Like I don't know. It's a, it's an addiction. I tell people polishing metal is worse than drugs sometimes, and I'm not speaking from experience, so don't crucify me for this one. But I, I just thoroughly enjoy doing it to the point of it's become an addiction. I love seeing metal shine every day. I love seeing the customers' faces. I mean, you and I both experience that in our own in our own areas, but. Yeah. Um, and I think because metal polishing is still such a niche that I got lucky and I was pretty good at it right out a couple of years in, I figured it out pretty easily. Um, I went through six years of struggle where my work was not great. And even now there's times where I get something in and it's still not great. So I look forward every day to the challenge. I look forward every day to getting to see that shine poke through. Um, as soon as I can start seeing a reflection, it's like endorphin city. Like, I'm just happy. And I chase that every day. Um, so I just, I don't know. I think it's because most people can't do that level that why I enjoy it that much more. Um, but I will say, I tell people this all the time at truck shows. Anybody can polish. Like, I, I can teach almost anybody to polish. But to do the level we do, three to four trucks a day, and do it at the top level, and people criticizing you every day, and people bringing you down every day, um, that takes a whole other breed. Um, I always joke around that the haters keep me humble and keep me motivated, but honestly, at the end of the day, like I don't mind it. Like I, I used to let that stuff get to me, and it still does once in a while. I mean, I'm human. Yeah. But. I chase that every day. That I chase that shine because I know somebody's out there thinking I can't, and it's just where it's at. That's cool. I totally get you. That's what I'm, <clears throat> you know. I love working with my guys and everything. Mm -hmm. but like I said, when I was doing Bob's fifty, yeah. When you just break I put loose my on music your own. on. I see this undercarriage. I know it's going to take me twelve hours, and I start here. And I just get lost. And in it's it. like you're in your own little world too. I'm absolutely in my own world. Like my close, and I love it. My close friends that I hang out with, like a lot of them got factory jobs, and they're like, "I'm like, so what'd you do? Oh, I did the same part for like the last three weeks." And it was like, uh, "It's not my deal. Like, I'm, that doesn't work for me. Like, it's a different truck every day. Like, yes, I have my regular customers that I see on a fairly regular. You got to meet Kenny this week. Yeah, he's and great. Kenny's here like every month, every other month, and yeah. I love it because he's such a great guy. Yeah. Um, 
And even then, like, he gets weird stuff on his truck sometimes. He'll come in and he's got paint on a rim or something. And it's like, his stuff stays nice. So it wasn't like a super big chore, but it's nice to just have different stuff once in a while. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Metal polishing just turned out to be my <clears> thing. I tried the detailing thing for a while, and I'm super OCD like yourself, and I couldn't turn my OCD off in the detailing world. Like, my brain just didn't shut off on paint. <laughs> And it took me six years to get it to shut off in metal, but I just finally realized that what the customer wants and what I want are two separate things. And getting to do some paint with you this week brought back my love of the paint as well. So it's like, I don't know, I could probably do some paint here and there again, but the polishing's taken over my life. And I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll probably ride it out till I retire. Yeah, well, it's kind of like <clears throat> we said, it's, it might not only be just two different businesses or trades yeah but it might be two different mindsets it, it's i think it, it's totally two different mindsets man that's probably why i can't get to the polishing of metals like you i can do little things like on my hot rod collections and stuff like that but i tell everybody I turning off that mindset in detailing or polishing is like you'd have to brain transplant to switch it around like your OCD and paint and my OCD and metal are two completely different OCDs like yes they're both perfectionist OCDs but they're two completely different ones and like you know how to shut yours off in paint once in a while like sometimes you just you just have to do it and for me I know how to shut it off in the polish once in a while like not every truck's a show truck so I know how to shut it off in polishing but you throw me on paint and I want everything to be perfect still like I don't know how to shut that side off yet it would take me a long time to figure that out such a good point because I'm hoping we can share some insight to people when you have a service business mm -hmm. and your OCD like we've had to learn how to compartmentalize because throttle it back yeah you know just like Gary with the Corvette Gary just brought his Corvette. He just bought a 79 Corvette and he wanted the paint to be shiny. Now, my my whole being wants to color sand it and, <laughs> and work on it for like a week or two. Yeah. And see what I can really bring out. Yeah. But Gary wants to spend a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Wants it just to be shiny. I can't make a couple hundred bucks for a whole week's work. No. No, it's just But we I did the job. And we remember, I think we might have already talked about it, like, this car's only gonna, I can only get out of this car what it's, what gonna, it's gonna give, what it's gonna let me. Yeah. And when I get to that mindset, it probably helps you with metal posture too. Yeah. Plus he's paying me. Yeah, on that clock. If, if it's 200 bucks, I have a certain amount of time yeah. that I wanna work on that car yeah. for 200 bucks, cause yeah. I got more to do. Um, so it's just a mindset you gotta work on. Yeah. And it's a hard one to get through, too. It's the one, it's hard when we were young. Yeah. But when, if you learn mistakes the hard way, yeah. trust me, that'll help. Yeah. Just try not to learn the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> right? I try it to always save costs you money. I try to save a lot of polishers from that. I try to tell a lot of guys, like, just don't overdo it. Like, you're going to burn yourself out doing it that way. And if you're trying to make everything perfect and try to make everything just 200%, you're, most customers aren't grateful for it. Like, I, I am very grateful for every customer that comes through my door, but if I did 200%, there's a lot of guys that only want to pay 50% for 200% work. Yeah. And it's like, 
I could spend 18, 20 hours a day, never get home, see my wife or my kids, and a lot of guys just want to know, when can I get my truck in, you know? It's like, yeah, they don't understand that you haven't been home for 10 days or that you've been sleeping in your shop when you live two minutes away. Like, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that that you have to compartmentalize. Like you said, you really have to get yourself to that level of understanding that sometimes I just have to give the customer what they want not what I want because they're they're only going to pay me for what they want. They're not going to pay me for what I want. And if I charge them for what I want, my customer base is going to dwindle to nothing. And you'll burn yourself out and kill your own business. Yeah. I've seen that a lot. Uh, especially in the metal polishing, the detailing not so much. Um, but in the metal polishing, I see people that are want to put out perfect work on everything they do. And by doing that, I watch a lot of them just fail and their businesses don't make it very long and they end up working for somebody else or um, quitting altogether. I mean, it's it's sad to watch, but that's just yeah. the way it is. Well, we gotta run these companies like a company. Yeah. Meaning you gotta know numbers and inventory. It took me, and took me 12 years to figure yeah, out what. It took me a long time too. <laughs> but at the end of the day, yeah. it's a company. It's, it's gonna a be business. ran like yeah. a business. Yeah. If you treat it like art, you're gonna get paid like art. Some people are gonna want it, some people aren't. and you're gonna narrow your business down quite a bit. That's why my art business is just me checking out the garage all healthy. Yeah. <laughs> not turning it that into a business. Yeah. You wanna buy a piece, you're more than welcome to it. I'm not gonna sell you. <laughs> that is too funny. We'll sell you a detail though. Yeah. And ceramic coating. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you stopping by, Paul. Yeah, um, it's great. It's been fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to more of these podcasts. And for those that are watching on YouTube, the the video versions of the podcast as well um but i appreciate you coming out it's been a fun week you've been here today's day four yeah. and you head home tomorrow it's yeah. sad i i always dread the last day because uh, i know you're going home or when i'm out there i'm coming home yeah and uh, it's always so much fun getting to work and collaborate with each other it is. um you've got a very unique cool business out there and uh mine's completely different here too so it's kind of fun to just get to be around each other. Step in each other's worlds yep. for a little bit. <laughs> yep. It's a nice little break from reality. It is. And I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast with us. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing where this thing grows. Hopefully we can have you on again in the future. Be great. And uh, hopefully um, hopefully you get to do some more cool stuff. Something else that will set your, set your tone for your career. Sounds good. We'll see you next time. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you, buddy. All right.